be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree and join GIS's global network of football leaders. Apply now to start in February 2023. Learn more at gis.sport slash fnr. That's gis.sport You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Ah, yes, another one of those jingles that sets the scene, and uh, we welcome you back. Uh, Welcome to tonight's edition of what is the state of our football nation. Josh Parrish running the gun and uh, George Donikian alongside him. Uh, Trying to direct things. We've got a couple of guests, which is terrific. Uh, Importantly, they're going to join us to talk about uh, a potential announcement which uh, has some bearing on some very important times in the game's history, that is football's history, and also in Australia's history. But more about that in just a moment. Let's introduce our first guest, uh, Federal MP, Meryl Jane Swanson, who represents the people of the seat of Patterson. Uh, Welcome, Meryl. Thank you, George. It's so great to be with you on Football Nation Radio. It's awesome. Uh, And more importantly, you're right in the middle of things at the moment. You're right in the middle of a federal election campaign. Yes, it's uh, a pretty busy time, I must say. Don't worry. I had my first meeting at half past six this morning and uh, I'll finish up at uh, my last one starts at 7.30 tonight. So, and, and I'm just about to go and meet, actually just about to go and meet at some wonderful veterans here at the Tanooba Bay RSL, George. So yep. um, if you hear a bit of background noise, the lads have arrived and they're starting <laughs> to have a couple of middies. So things, things are going pretty well here in Tanooba Bay. Well, RSL is very appropriate because we're going to be talking about... Uh, some of our Anzacs who, uh, who did uh, a, a tremendous job years and years ago and, and everyone who's worn that particular uh, uniform has done a tremendous job each time they've been called upon. But that, that uh, time and those people um, sacrificed a, a lot more than just their, their lives. They, um, they sacrificed uh, for many their families uh, at, at a critical time in Australia's history. We were a young nation at the turn of the 20th century, didn't quite know where we'd go, and we were called upon, called upon to, to help the empire. And uh, a great many young men uh, put their hand up and went, not really knowing what was, uh, you know, what was ahead and what lay uh, in front of them. Um, let's talk about this fabulous area that you represent, Patterson, because it's, it's the hunter, it's the, it's the nursery of Australian uh, soccer or football as we know it um, and, it's a, and it remains to this very day a tremendous nursery for both men and women to play the game. Um, how long have you been a, a part of the scene and a part of the area? I do know that in a prior life uh, they say in, 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 in the, um, this modern world of ours we live through, th- through three careers. Um, you were at 2KO in the early days of radio and at NBN TV you were researcher, producer and presenter. So you've you've done it all. So this is, is this yes. part is this part three of your career? <laughs> I'm hoping so, actually, George. <laughs> yes. No, look, uh, uh, it's um it's been this seat, you know, this area that I'm so glad to call home. Of course, I'm a Curry girl. I was born in Curry. I uh, went to Curry High, and you're right, saying that the Hunter broadly is a real nursery and has been for many decades. Uh, in fact. 
all the way back to before the First World War for football. And indeed, we saw it was very interesting in the Hunter, obviously the coal fields where yep. I'm from, you know, yep. Curry Curry, Cessnock, and all the surrounding villages. We saw a lot of people come across. Now, they came from northern England, mm. uh, they came from England itself, uh, you know, further down, obviously. Then they came from Scotland, they came from Ireland, Wales, particularly. A lot of Welsh coal miners. In fact, that's part of my uh, family uh, lineage is, is Welsh. And what they what happened is they came to extract the coal. Uh, from the fabulous seams in the Hunter uh, mm. all those decades ago. But they, of course, brought with them their culture. Mm. So we saw things like, you know, a lot of uh, School of Arts popping up and, and things like a Steadfords, you know, where people would sing. The Welsh, of course, great renowned for, uh, you know, you'll never walk alone and all the singing. So we saw all of that culture come with the miners and their families. And it was so strong and it bonded them together, of course. And they brought their sport. They brought football with them. So a very, very strong uh, feeling and sense of belonging that emerged in Curry Curry, the coalfields more broadly with football. And of course, those same people and uh, those young men were called upon, as you rightly said before, to serve their country. So it made sense when they went off to uh, places, tragically like Gallipoli, mm. They, uh, they took the game uh, of soccer with them and uh, I know that uh, also in places like Maitland, just a few years ago we had a, a young team that actually went on a tour to visit some of the sites of World War One, and they took on uh, took a flag from my office, but they also took um, the history with them of those boys that were the same age as them. Some of them were about 17, 18, and they went to retrace the steps of where some of those football players had been when they were in war and where they played football while they were over there and it was a really important thing that they did so and of course the soccer ashes is the other thing that we're going to be speaking about today which I'm very much looking forward to talking to you about. Uh, the thing that fascinates me too at, at that time some of the clubs in the Hunter in, in Newcastle and in the surrounds were, were at the time some of the biggest and most in, impressive clubs in the history of the game in this country. Yes, and, and that's, uh, you know, something that um, I'm looking forward to finding out uh, more about as well. I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert uh, on local football <laughs> soccer history, but I, I do know, I mean, for example, in more recent history, of course, Craig Johnson, uh, you know, was uh, well-renowned for yep. uh, being part of our our furniture around the coalfields, a good guy, and, and of course, Newcastle and Lake Macquarie as well. So, you know, we've had some terrific players and interestingly we've had players and in fact I know a lot of these guys still uh, who had children that I went to school with for example they were actually brought out they came out uh, to Australia and then they worked in the mines but then they were also in, employed uh, to play soccer uh, and it was a very serious and some of them actually came out just to play soccer as well so you know we had some we had some profession, a lot of professional soccer players uh, around where I grew up, and of course, it's the culture still remains. It's, it's a, I mean, look, we're also a big league area, but you know, football, uh, the round ball code is, of course, one of you know the beloved things. The Great Western Bears, uh, we were having a little chat before about them. You know, amazing. Well, well, well Ian Sison, well, Ian Sison, um, welcome to the program. How are you? 
Uh, Ian, of course, is uh, a regular on FNR and uh, knows his history. And when you mentioned the Bears, I knew he was going to pipe up. Uh, So, (laughs) Ian, jump on board. Uh, Tell us what you know about the Bears. Well, I'm in the the early stages or early advanced stages, I guess, of researching a history. And what Merrill says bears out completely. In in around 1915 or 14, a whole... A whole swathe of of English semi-professional players came to came to Western to play and really lifted the club. And the same thing happened in the 30s, and the same thing happened in the 70s. They almost go to England to find players to bring them out. And so there's a there's a terrible story about one player called Bill Lambert who played in who was killed oh, when in the early 20s. He was a fabulous player. He was he he captained New South Wales. And he was a miner, and he was killed at Hebburn Pit, and yes. uh, in, a, in a fall, and, and it just affected the whole community. So, it's not just the you know the the the, the role of the the trade or the or the industry. It's also the the tragedy that is part of that industry. You know, mm. the, the, some figure like one in, one miner dying every fifteen days. Yeah. It was extremely dangerous, and you've only got to yeah. spend uh, a few moments at the Jim Comerford Memorial Wall uh, yeah. up at the Cessnock Miners Union uh, to building. To see the numbers, and there, there are there, there are brass plates of mm. inscriptions on this enormous wall, and it really it brings it home. Every year we have a memorial service, and uh, you know, very tragically, uh, still people lose their lives. It's still a dangerous industry. It's far safer than it ever was, but you know, it's it, it always brings it home to us, and we buy, and we light that miner's lamp. And but it, it, you're really right there, uh, George and Ian, that there is such tight knit cultural links mm. between mining, football. Uh, the arts, you know, the singing, the, the playing of musical instruments, and and it's it's brilliant, and the history of it all, you know, it is it is just absolutely brilliant, and and it's something that I think more people once once they hear the stories and understand just what happened, mm. uh, they'll they'll be really engrossed by it. I'm quite sure about that. Yes. Ian, I just want to ask, what's what's missing in your opinion in the in the picture that we have? Because so much of this stuff has been lost, and there's so many artifacts that we, yeah. we don't have access it's, to anymore. What what is the the kind of uh, ghost that you're chasing? I guess what's the holy grail of this Anzac football research? Well, the, well, there's several holy grails. I mean, there's one specific one, and that's the Merrill's already mentioned it. The, the soccer ashes. I mean, does it still exist? It was this in all. Uh, it was, it's this beautifully crafted, ornately crafted object created out of artefacts that came out of Gallipoli and symbolised union between New Zealand and Australian teams, uh, soccer teams, and uh, competition and union. And it, it seems to me to be such a, a powerful symbolic token, yet it's gone, it's missing. Um, last seen in 1954, but it's big. It's it's kind of beautiful. I can't imagine anybody throwing it out, but who knows? But maybe you know, maybe it was lost in a disaster or something. Who who knows? Or it could it be was. in someone's collection. Is that what you're saying? It could be. It, it could be. And if so, I really think they need to have a good look at it and think yeah. about you know returning it to Football Australia. Um, yeah, so that's possibly the holy grail, but we've got so many 
holy grails. We've got so many memorials, so many objects that we've, that we've, we've lost. The Merriweather, for example, the Merriweather Roll of Honour, Merriweather Advance. 76 names on it was in the School of Arts in Merriweather. And then when they tore that building down, I think they just dumped the Roll of Honour. And it's, it was, uh, it's, it's hard to know why. Um, Bronwyn Law, the, uh, the memorial historian in Newcastle, claims that there was a phase in the 70s when people just stopped caring. Is that right? About this, this kind of material culture and uh, things Meryl, like that. Can I, just, can I just jump in there? Uh, you've got an announcement. In the event that the, the Labor Party wins the upcoming federal election, um, you, you've got a, a, a tremendous opportunity to uh, put your hand up and uh, support the game, and you, you want to do it by a, a grant, a, a research grant for, for, for funding... Um, more research into the the history of the game is that is that my uh, understanding or is am I on the uh, it, off the money? No, you're completely on the money, George. In fact, I'm really delighted that you have Ian uh, on the show today, and I'm um, I'm sure he'll be very pleased to hear this. But uh, an Albanese Labor government is going to support historical research on the links between Australia's military and football history, including mm. searching for that holy grail, the soccer ashes. So uh, we're going to be providing uh, historian Ian Sison. Hello, Ian. You'll be pleased to hear this with a grant of $95,000 to go in search and hopefully find the soccer ashes. But equally as importantly, recreate and tell those stories, really pull out that information so that more people can find out about the soccer ashes. How do you feel about that, Ian? (laughs) <laughs> blown away um that's that's a lot of money and it's a lot of money that will go towards doing some amazing things the first thing we have to do um is make sure we get the databases organized where we can capture every australian soccer player who went to war in both big wars and and, and other times we can start telling stories about the individuals uh, and the clubs and uh, wow, it's just you know, it's it's amazing, and it's going to put a lot of people to work too. It's going to g- give a lot of people reward for work they would do otherwise voluntarily, and so that's going to be awesome to to pay to pay historians at least kind of properly. Uh, Ian, a question without notice, and uh, uh, to you too, Meryl. Uh, the thing I'm very keen to to know is. I understand that records uh, over a century uh, would get scattered, would get lost or would get moved around. But I thought the Australian War, War Memorial had a vast um, uh, repertoire or, or a vast resource of information. What, isn't, it, isn't it simply a matter of going into those back rooms that we never get to see, the public never gets to visit? Uh, or is there much more at stake or much more that you, you need to do, Ian? That's a resource. That's a really important resource, and they have the information, but it's not the information is not structured to our needs. Uh-huh. We have to de- we have to develop the tools by which we can get into their their data and create it for our purposes. Now we've set up two databases already: Newcastle and Victoria, and we've got we've had a really great. Uh, effect. There's like 650 Newcastle players. We've probably captured 300 of them already. Um, the, the sad news is about 80 of them died. Um, 
in, in war. Um, Victoria, similar kind of numbers. And so, um, it, but it's a matter of doing this really methodical process yeah. where you find you're triangulating information between different sites in order to um, find the information that we need. Uh, Meryl, so, yes, it seem, it, Meryl, it seems to me, it seems to me that Anzac Day and the Anzac spirit is stronger today than it has been for quite a number of years. Can you can you explain why? Look, I think it's it's really, really interesting, George, and it's it's interesting what Ian was saying before about the seventies. Uh, how not that not that people didn't care, but uh, I think our awareness was probably uh, generationally lower then. We we have had a resurgence of information and interest, particularly from younger generations about Gallipoli, about the first and second world wars, and about all the other conflicts, Vietnam, Korea, you know, many other conflicts. So I think that this is really positive because what it does, it actually encourages people to want to know more. And, and mm. I think this is the beauty of Ian's research. What we're actually going to do and what Ian's going to do with his wonderful uh, team of volunteers is he is going to introduce a new level of interest in a whole different tranche of people mm. who might be interested in soccer uh, or they might in, you know, also be interested in the history of our, our wars and it's going to bring the two together and I, I think that's yeah. fantastic. So, again, I, I just want to say thank you, Ian, for, for taking us on this oh. really important historical journey and uh, I'm, I'm so looking forward to, to what you find. I mean, he's hoping that we can find that soccer ashes yeah. uh, and he's hoping that we can, you know, bring to life the stories and, and what happened with that razor case uh, where was it last seen? Just out of curiosity, before I before I let you go, do we know? Like, do we have any sort of leads about where that was last the, the seen? Photograph of taken of it being packaged in in uh, I think in New Zealand to be sent here or the other way. Right, um, right, and okay, and th- and that that's it. That's the last thing we, we we've seen of it. Uh, and well, you know, the other thing I just want to add on to this, George, is I think this is going to mean a lot for a lot of veterans. Because it, it will be great for them to know that subsequent generations care about what happened and care about not only the conflict and, and, the, and the terrible things that they went through, but also people are still very interested in the other things that mm. happened, mm. Uh, such as the playing of football. How, how did it happen? You know, where did they play? Uh, how did all of these things sort of eventuate? And, uh, of course, you know, I, I'm really proud to also say that it builds on Labor's commitment, uh, $519.2 million we've got uh, put aside if we win government to strengthen the services that our veterans receive with things like Veterans Hubs. And I know that this this story will be the icing on the cake uh, in terms of the history of our veterans. And uh, you can hear things getting pretty raucous here at the uh, Tanilba Bay RSL lads. Uh, That's typical. So, um, That's just typical. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's no, always it's good, good to hear. So. Always good to hear RSL clubs and full of life. That, that's what we need. Yeah, I love a razzle. I love my local razzle. Yeah. I've got to say I love it. <laughs> George, I might have to say goodbye. Um, but, again, you know, delighted to announce this uh, grant going uh, to Ian and his team of $95,000 if uh, we are 
able to win government in a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, as of next week, mate, I'll just be chained to a pre-pol. <laughs> uh, Meryl Jane Swanson has been fantastic. Uh, the member for Patterson just giving us a sense of something very special. It, should the, uh, the Australian Labor Party win the upcoming federal election, there's a grant, uh, a research grant available to Ian Sice in the vicinity of nearly $100,000. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for uh, taking the opportunity. And thank you for making this an exclusive announcement on, on FNR. means a lot to us as well. Thank you so much, Meryl. Uh, George, you do an amazing job and uh, all the best to you and your crew and also to Ian in the hunt for the soccer ashes. And I'd love to join you again and maybe we can talk about what Ian's finding. We'll have an update uh, along the journey. No worries at all. Thank you once again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Cheers. Meryl. Good on you, Ian. Uh, well, we've lost, we've lost uh, Meryl, but we've got you. Um, just take a moment and take us through just how important does, it, does this um, grant uh, – uh, what does it actually mean? I, we understand that it gives you the opportunity to, to travel and, and to get some, uh, some, some uh, very important uh, uh, you know, information, as you said, the data tools that we need to establish uh, this history and give it some, some form that you can use in a better fashion. Um, have you got yeah. great faith that we can get this just where we need it and enrich the game and also enrich our historians? I'm absolutely sure because th- this whole project, I mean, COVID didn't help. <laughs> this bet. whole project has stalled because of lack of um, money, lack of money. Uh, you know, uh, Northern New South Wales were very, very generous at one point with money to, to my project, but it's it's sheer hard work. It's donkey work. It's where someone's got to go into Trove and start correlating between Articles and the and the ADFA database and the the military um, I've lost what it's called at the moment the uh, memorial database. All oh, right, like you, is that on microfiche or or do you have? No, no, no. It's, it's all it's all digital. It's all digital now. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. That's something. So it's about you know you 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 see a name in the paper, and what you have to do is say right, this this person's been reported dead. Um, you need to then to go to the um, to the ad for database to find out their service record and those sorts of things, and you triangulate it with the with the war memorial. So it's 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 just donkey work, as as we might call it, where someone's got to sit at a computer for eight hours mm. in a row. To uh, no one's going to do that for nothing. Yeah, no one's no going to do gonna it if, if they've got a bad back. Like, how's your back, yeah. by the way? <laughs> It's about as good as the rest of me. Um, <laughs> oh, gee. Um, and so there, there are people I know who are very good at this, who are going to say, "Well, yes, I, I, you know, I can, I can think about doing it if you're going to pay me at a decent rate." I got you. I got you. Okay. That's, that's so important. It's, it's just, and my plan, my ultimate plan, is to, as I said, find every soccer player, senior soccer player, who enlisted in the Australian Armed Forces. And and have a little you know little narrative about each of them, and that might be just you know when they enlisted and you know what happened to them, you know, um, and that 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 information is going to be vital for every club in Australia. Every club in Australia about to look at its own history. Mm-hmm. Like the Western Club I'm working on now, I just recently realised that eight of their players were killed in the First World War. 
eight, eight guys who played for Western. That's that's a that senior is. team, mate. That's almost a senior yeah. team. Yeah, and so, you know some of these players were very good players, and it's um, you know, would have gutted this, the competition at the time, wouldn't it? Yeah, this grief is part of these clubs' history, and and and. I don't think they need to wallow in the grief, but they need to acknowledge it as part of their grief. And I think they want to acknowledge it as part, part of their grief, mm. you know, part, part of their whole culture. So it's, um, you know, it's going to be really valuable, this database for everybody. You know? And, of course, I'd want it to be completely open access and, you know, when, when we're confident that it's, it's, it's a meaningful uh, database. Uh, I'll also be able to fire leads, you know, go and do research in, in places like go to Toowoomba and see if we can find it. Well, Toowoomba's a ridiculous town. The, the number of people who who, who played soccer there mm. in, the, in the early before the war and who 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 enlisted it's just it's staggering. It's absolutely staggering um, the, the Toowoomba figure. So they they put up a couple of rolls of honour. You know, well, let's go and try and find those. Let's visit these places. It's all very much archival work at the moment it's only when we're going to start dealing with the maybe the korean or the vietnam conflicts that we can start to think about oral history but all that needs to be done and i know you've you've encountered quite a lot of uh institutional indifference to this over the over the journey and you know it's been quite a lot of uh hours spent and personal sacrifice so i I commend you for for what you've been doing and obviously like huge congratulations especially if this uh if this grant comes comes up comes through um I guess the overarching question is, is this a way for Australian, and I'll call it soccer because, you know, that's the, the term we kind of use in this historical period. Uh, yeah. Is this a way for Australian soccer to to latch on to some kind of roots in Australian society where, you know, there's been such an attack on the game in that it doesn't belong yeah. and it's this kind of foreign yeah. import that's uh, an outsider. Uh, does this history uncover the fact that it, it does have deep roots in Australian society and, and culture. Always, always had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that, that's right, George. It always has, and the problem is that the that the, the game's presence vanishes into thin air. Mm-hmm. It, it it participates in Australian society just the way all other sporting bodies, people who play different sports, all participate in Australian life. For some reason, soccer's input disappears. Look, I, I, I think it's own fault. Yeah, yeah, I think we've been outmaneuvered in 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 some instances, and yeah. uh, and some of those that you've touched on a hundred percent. The seventies was was uh, was a, an interesting period, a dark one, um, and and I'm and I'm. It struck a nerve when I heard you talking about um, uh, the seventies being a period where uh, there was a lot of apathy, especially in the Hunter and especially in Newcastle. Um, and I can remember also it being a, a really interesting time. Rugby league took hold uh, in, in about the 70s in, mm. in, a, in a manner that I hadn't seen before. Up until that time, we had a fabulous football culture, round ball code, and we had rugby league and we had rugby union. But, but in the 70s, we saw a switch, and it seems yeah. to me that that's where some of that unsettling um, commentary came came to be and we, we hear mm. it resonate to this very day. I think it's a super exciting time. I know what you've been doing on air with us has been driving this commentary and, and alerting people and saying to them, there are some marvellous stories out there. It's not only about providing solace for families and friends and others 
it's it's also about giving justice to those young men, predominantly young men. There weren't. Uh, I don't think we lost too many women at that time, and if we did, it was in other roles. But uh, on on the on the battlefronts in in those days, it was predominantly young men who lost their lives, and they went. Uh, with a spirit and a fervour that very few people can appreciate. They were different times. But if we can tell their story, if we can give a sense to their extended families and their communities uh, of what price they paid and what they did, it would be just marvellous. So to answer Josh's question, uh, the the point is to locate Mm. soccer in Australian life. Yeah. Yeah, uh, unquestioningly, there it was. Look at it; it's, it's, it's participated in the events that have given us our mythology, and we're part of the team. Uh, and, uh, Australia, New Zealand are coming up playing some games. Uh, is this part of this as well? We could. I, I think uh, we well, need to play into that a little bit more. Mm. I'm yet. To, I'm yet to be convinced that that's happening. I've heard. I've heard rumours it's happening. Yep. But um, if it's happening, if it happens in New Zealand, I want to go, so I need to plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. If, if they have, go, a, they go, have go opened ahead. up New Zealand, haven't they? Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, <laughs> much, much easier to get in than it used to be. Ian, thank you so much for uh, for joining yeah. us today, and uh, best no, of well, luck with the research, and uh, we hope this I, comes through I, for you. My jaw nearly hit the, hit the table at the desk when she said that figure. <laughs> well, you understand what it means, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's astound- It's yeah. It's it's astounding, and uh, uh, I've got to start thinking about you know organising a team well, in the event. Uh, it, it won't be long before you find out which way it goes. I know. I know. Yeah. Thank you once again, Ian. All the very, very okay. best. See you guys. Ian Sison, Doctor Ian Sison, giving us a sense of um, the possibilities that lie ahead. Should the Australian Labor Party win the upcoming federal election? And uh, yeah, there are no sure things in life, mm. but um, I, I, I can vouch for the fact that if things go as you know the um, as Ian is is hoping, that money would be um, used to uncover some tremendous stories, and again chronicle not only the deeds of of those young men. But give, I think, communities a better sense of just how much they lost mm. at that time. Yes, and give these clubs something to yeah. honour and commemorate. Absolutely. And, you know, if you can find living descendants as well of these people, this, it would be a, a way to really connect the club to the community and honour the sacrifice of, you know, those young boys who went off 100 years ago and... It's um yeah it's fascinating research. I've heard sort of little updates from Ian over the course of the if you know history program, um, which is on hiatus at the moment. But hopefully we can get it back when Ian has some major uncoverings to to share with us. Correct, I can imagine because I, I would I would say to you his his weekly role uh, would be almost non-existent. It'd be it'd be fired up in getting mm. all the information and and yep. if he's travelling, mind you, with so much technology, you might be able to do a you know, on the road show. That would be fun, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be Check fun? in with Ian on the, on the road, which <laughs> is uh, um, he checked into This next. is State of Our Football Nation on FNR. We're going to take a break. When we come back, um, talk some more about what is promising to be the single most exciting week of football uh, in, in the A-Leagues. Because can I just say this before we go to the break? I don't know what everyone's been talking about uh, because most of the commentary over the last few months has been, oh, the A-League season is this, the A-League season is that. 
Well, can I tell you, with, with a game to go, we are in this remarkable spot where there are three teams. Yes, they are from Victoria. I can see all the Sydney, <laughs> the, uh, the South Australians, the, the Brisbane uh, crew going, oh, yeah, why are you always talking about Victoria? Because it just so happens that there are three teams, uh, Melbourne City, Melbourne Victory, and <laughs> Melbourne United. They're all on the cusp of doing something quite remarkable. For Victory, it would be we were out of it until we won it. Mm. Which is like a reminiscent of their women, yeah, who were on the wrong side of of the of the of the betting, but mm-hmm. got up and and claimed the title, which was quite remarkable. Western United, this would be their per, almost their perfect season, yeah, and yeah. Their, their first trophy, on, their crowning um, achievement, winning an A League Premier's plate, playing away from home every week, <laughs> <laughs> and playing away in, at Hindmarsh as well. Not an easy correct, game, correct? And for and for City it would be their first opportunity to go back to back. So three tremendous scenarios all lying in wait. Take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the possibilities. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Uh, George Danikian, Josh Parrish, I love that little ad you played. Just look at his face. Just look. Are we referring to Tony Sage? <laughs> right after the game, full time, if the camera had gone any closer, Tony would have eaten the camera. He was so excited. Uh, why? Because the bottom team knocked over the team at the top of the competition. What did you make of that? I mean, it was uh, pretty remarkable, wasn't it? Uh, City felt they... they did enough to do better in that game, but really they looked to me sluggish and off the pace and uh, Asian Champions League hangover, but against this Perth side who's who, who couldn't buy a win in yeah. recent weeks and were totally mailing in the rest of the season. To lose that when you could have wrapped up the, the Premier's plate was... It was a worrying sign for City. Well, I, I, I can totally agree with you, but by golly, at the same time... If I was needing an injection to pump up this final week of the competition, <laughs> um, have we gone into throttle mode now, full throttle mode? I mean, 100%. I mean, I, I compared it to Stephen Bradbury's gold medal. Uh, when it comes to Melbourne victory, he thought they were out of it. And, yeah, and then they're in it. And then Western United and Melbourne City stumble on the same night and suddenly they're in with a shot uh, in second place now. To all those people who thought, you know, COVID had well and truly derailed the A-League competition this year, I go, I go, this to them. <laughs> because, you know, what have we got? We've got two nights... Um, the, the the whole thing uh, is at fever pitch. So the Isuzu um, Ute uh, A-League, with all the live action of the remaining games, uh, is now f- well and truly focused on who will win the Premier's plate. Josh Parrish. Who gets it? Will it be Melbourne City? Right? They, they, they were hoping you know, the game against Perth would be right, but they didn't realise it was going to be an ambush. <laughs> and Tony Sage loves ambushes. Um, but it's not over. Not over for City, as you touched on. Uh, their attention now, what do you think? Uh, squarely directed at Wellington Phoenix? I think so. Uh, they'll be without Curtis Good, who had an unnecessary red card in the dying moments of that game. It was in stoppage time. 
didn't didn't need to make that tackle. The game was already gone. Was it a red? It was a second yellow for sure. Okay, so second I, yellow. You know, he, I don't think you can have too many complaints. It was an unnecessary challenge. I ask you only only because you wear with pride that referee's uh, jersey and that that membership mm. uh, logo. Well, I, I think they would have been going soft on him, you know, if if they hadn't get brought out the second yellow card uh, for that one. Uh, but you know, they'll they'll be without him at the back. Um, Scott Jamison had a pretty interesting interview. We all know he likes to yeah, share he, he a piece of his mind. Stuff. Yeah, listen, the captain the captain wears everything on his sleeve. You, you, mm. you, you're never going to die wondering what he's thinking. He's always going to tell you, right? I don't have a problem with that. Um, Sometimes he's bitten a little bit more than he could chew. Well, he changed his mind mind mid-interview. First he said we weren't good enough and, you know, people need to be held accountable. And then he corrected himself and said, actually, we played well enough to win and we were just unlucky. I don't think he quite – he didn't quite have his head right going into that. He wasn't very on message, let's say. So are you suggesting to me that he was probably suddenly reading Pep Guardiola's um, uh, uh, post-match uh, summary um, <laughs> in, instead of um, <laughs> instead of his own. Perhaps uh, it would have been clairvoyant if he did. Oh, but uh, okay. So the, the other th- the other thing I had a problem with what he said was uh, that you know he he tends to build up. Uh, I don't know if it's the media. I don't really know who he's talking about. Um, but he tends to build up all of these external critics in his mind. Um, and <laughs> hey, I don't know we, if that's, he's had a few. Uh, he's well, had a few. I, I, maybe that's a, a self-motivating yeah, tactic yeah, for him. But it is. I think it he is. said, you know, we a bit of credit wouldn't go astray for their Asian Champions League performances, and they, you know, represented Australia unbelievably on their yeah, Asian yeah, stage. Yeah. I, d- I don't know that that's true. I think they did okay and got knocked out by. Uh, from from a group that was one of the easiest draws that say Australian we. group say we hmm. say we we <laughs> yes uh, in other words uh, it's this collective the collective media saying oh the easiest uh, you know competition run you you could get um like how can they possibly not get through I mean, it's not that was the that was the commentary before they even played a game. Um, but and I don't think I, I don't think they represented Australia superbly. I think they were no, slightly disappointing. I don't think it's okay. I don't think it's a travesty because yep. it's a tough competition and they were playing away from home and yep. BG Patham has home advantage. You know, it was probably one Tom Glover error from progression. Oh, don't start. But you know, <clears throat> I I think to say that they were superb representatives of the A League is in, incorrect. I think Australia needs to strive to progress. You know, Australian teams should be striving to progress from this competition and anything less should be a disappointment. Otherwise, we've got a losing mentality in Asia. All right. That's fair enough. Um, Let's talk about victory up against Sydney FC. It's the game that's coming up. uh, I think it's Saturday night. It's 7 o'clock. It's on um, Paramount Plus. And what are you thinking about this contest? It's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Make you feel nervous. Well, we spoke to Ivan last week, and he's. I think he's in cruise mode. Mm. I think he. I think they've done enough. I think Sydney is worn out. I think this is this is Bobo's last game for Sydney. I I think they'll lift to to play victory. I I just don't really. I I think this game is too important for them to put in a shift like they have in recent times in the A League. Um, You know, I. Maybe they need a rebuild. I think they do. Probably they're going to be a big off-season clean-out with a lot of expiring contracts and things. But and and some retiring players, as you mentioned, Bobo. But I just don't think they're going to give victory an easy time when they know victory have something to play for. It's. I think it's it's a motivating factor in a derby game to try and spoil the party. Um, if Sydney wins, is it still the end of an era, or 
if they lose, it's the end of an era. Well, they've missed the finals either way. Uh, or actually, no, they have an extra game in hand. I should yep. I should correct myself there. Right. Um, so it could shape an entry into the. It could shape an entry into the finals somehow. Well, it it depends by on the back what, door. <laughs> it depends on what Wellington do. Uh, it's not in their hands at the moment, but far from it. They're you know several points off the pace. But if uh, Wellington can get a result tonight against Western Sydney Wanderers, then they'll be clean into the finals, and Sydney will have nothing to play for. Okay. Whereas if Wanderers can get a result against Phoenix, that sets up the entire. Um, you know that that sets up the entire denouement to the to the season because you've got Sydney with something to play for in terms of finals football, and you've got Wellington with something to play for on the final day against City. So there's there's this domino effect in play. And talk to me about the F three derby again. One of the games of the season mm. uh, a few weeks back, they're at it again. <laughs> it's like that movie, uh, Gentleman Jim Corbett. The Corbetts are fighting again, and everybody's going to run out and see what's happening. Uh, they're up to no good, these guys. The Jets against the Central Coast Mariners. And Nick Montgomery, does he get the gong? If he gets them into the finals with a, with a strong performance here, does does he lay claim to maybe the, the chance of um, coach of the season? Or does that go to the guy who wins the Premier's Plate? I think if Victory win a trophy, uh, win the Premier's Plate, Tony Popovich is a good shout considering where they were last yes. season. Yes, fair. But fair. Nick Montgomery is right there with him and depending on the results of this final round could could well be the man because I, I think he's been superb. He's oh, integrated with the, the young players. And with the players at hand. And made some really smart signings. You know, obviously that's a team effort but the Jason Cummings signing has been an inspired choice. It's totally changed the dynamic of their team and their potential of the team. And then young Garen Quall scoring four goals in seven <laughs> matches, including three in the last three games. It's just an unprecedented impact for a guy that young. And, you know, I was impressed with him when I saw him a couple of years ago playing at the African Nations Cup when we went in, out and did, did that for FNR. Did your commentary? <laughs> yes, I did. And um, I thought, who's this, you know, skinny, tiny youngster, you know, nutmegging players twice his size? He's, he's a bit of fun. But I never expected him to Continue kick to on. Continue to blossom. Well, not kick on in this fashion and not have this great an impact at such an early age. He... He's grown, but he's still pretty slight, and he's just so agile and adept with the ball, and his finishing has been incredible. So, you know, that that's uh, an impact that I guess they weren't counting on, but the way that they've embraced the Quall family, I, I think uh, Tang and Diddy will be the next <laughs> brothers to sign up. Um, the last clash uh, between the, uh, the these two uh, gave us something quite worthy. Have, have you got the uh, t- intestinal fortitude to give me a give me a bet? I think Central Coast will win. I, I think okay. the Jets, you know, they, they've been great to watch this season. Beckham Mikultadze is still going for the golden boot, so, you know, they want to feed him chances. Uh, but there's already vultures circling on their uh, their star players. There's a strong rumour that Daniel Pena will end up at Sydney FC next season, which uh, I think is, is quite well-founded. And, you know, I, I think there will be several other Newcastle Jets players um, who will be targeted by rival clubs? So it's it's tough for them. Obviously, you know they uh, they performed really well in the last F three derby to come from behind and give themselves a chance. But that disappointment there, I, I just think Central Coast have more to play for, and they've got a much better backline. All right, uh, we're an hour away from uh, seeing the Western Sydney Wanderers take on Phoenix. Uh, have you got a um, an idea of how it might finish? Well, are, we I, to- are we talking a draw? Or are we talking a win? 
to the Phoenix. I, I could see or, it as or a draw. Or have the Wanderers got enough? I could definitely see it as a draw. Okay. Uh, this is, is, of course, the uh, the Mark Rodan derby, as uh, it will forever be, as long as Mark Rodan coaches against Wellington Phoenix. Um, you know, wherever, wherever he coaches, it becomes the new derby. And he was the pantomime villain uh uh, over in Auckland, oh, I can't remember if it was the Auckland or Wellington game now, but anyway, uh, he did you know the theatrical bow to the crowd as he was sent off and uh, so forth. So it was it was good fun. Uh, he knew he knew his role yeah. in the whole uh, production and played, and played it to perfection, didn't he? He did. Uh, unfortunately, Stephen Ugarkovich took one of the worst penalties we're ever likely to see in that game, losing his standing foot and doing a, a John Terry uh, 2008 impression, uh, but. I, I can see Wellington based on their poor recent form and their lack of a, a proper midfield pairing with all the injuries that they've had. Stumbling in this one, I could see Western Sydney on just getting a draw. But maybe I'm just hoping for that, given the fact that it will send up, set up a more exciting finish to the season. Okay, look at the look at the potential final six. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your What's your feeling? What's your feeling? I know I know there are some precious games, and they are vital because they'll give us a really good clue. Um, ex- last night, I, th- I think last night was an aberration. Um, I've always been a believer that Perth has something about it. Maybe it's the way they line up. Maybe it's the the egos. I don't know. But I think last night was an aberration. As a City fan, I'm hoping it was an aberration. Otherwise, congratulations to Victory uh, or to Johnny Aloisi's Western United, who have, have had a remarkable... Uh, season, and when you think about it, they haven't had a place to call home. Mm. I don't care what anyone says. That's almost as awkward as remember Spurs when they had to play at Wembley for a, a couple of years there yep. because they because they were building that magnificent uh, new edifice, um, and uh, they people were saying, "Oh, they're, you know, they're playing away from home," or they're playing. Yes, but they were playing every week. They were playing away from home. So, what does it teach you? Does it teach you? Um, to to discount those other things that we, you know we talk about, mm. like building a fortress, Amy Park, when the Victory fans turn out in droves and in that normal uh, voice that they 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 embrace, they are mighty uh, powerful. Sure, uh, they give them uh, that jet fuel. It's like uh, it uh, in in Greek. It's called um, tsipuro. It's the stuff you pour in. To your 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 system after a wonderful dinner, you might call it a digestive, but but when it's drunk like that, it's like fuel. Um, so I'm thinking, uh, victory with a huge crowd at Amy Park would be terrifying to play against. I I think this will be a pretty big factor in the finals, but given the fact that they're playing away to to Sydney in this last game, they might be a long shot getting the Premier's plate, but. Uh, you know, because they require City to slip up at, at home against Popovich Wellington. Popovich loves long shots. He does, but uh, you know he has he's never succeeded in the final series. So I think that's the ghost he's chasing, not uh, not necessarily the Premier's plate, which he's won before. So who 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 finishes in the six? I think the six stays as it is, but I think Central Coast and Adelaide could potentially swap places because. Uh, Wellington, you know, they would need to lose both games. Sydney FC would need to win both games to scrape into the finals. I don't think that's happening. I think Wellington will get some sort of a result against yep. Western United tonight. Yep. yep. Um, possibly a draw. Uh, Central Coast, Adelaide. Adelaide play Western United on the final day of the season, <laughs> whereas Central Coast, as you say, are playing Newcastle. 
I think possibly Western United get a result out of that game, Central Coast win and leapfrog Adelaide into fourth place and get the home final um, in the first round, which um, against uh, home... Well, they'll both have... Sorry, no, they, uh, Central Coast will get the home finals right the first time. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to work out this labyrinthine final system. But, yeah, Central Coast, I, th- I think we could see a home final in Gosford. As for the top three, I could see that also staying as it is with, you know, potentially all three teams getting some sort of result. Maybe victory in Western United could swap places, but I just don't think Melbourne City are going to going to lose against Wellington on the last day of the season. Okay. We, we, we talked about Montgomery, who's had a sensational mm. season, uh, in my opinion, uh, with, with what he's got at hand sure. and, and what he had when he was dealt with at the very beginning. And you're right. He's gone out in some very shrewd signings. Um, what do you make of Johnny Aloisi's effort this year? I think it's been massive um, to turn around, I guess, the mood in the playing group. Um, he needed to come in and pick up, lift some spirits and lift some underperforming players from last season, and he's done that. Uh, he's coped with some serious injuries to Diamante, uh, Lustica now out and potentially for the rest of the season, so they have to adapt to that. But he's turned Lockie Wales from a player who would run down the byline and then cross the ball out of play to an incredibly effective player, not only on the wing, but also playing as a number 10, which I don't think anyone saw coming. Um, and he, together with Hayden Fox, who we keep th- hearing amazing things about from all these Western United players about the little details that he picks up in training sessions and on game footage with regards to their defensive Well, the structure. green room for you would give yeah. you enormous insight, sure. not it? Yeah. And John John Aloisi uh, is so greatly admired and liked and respected by these players who just want to play well for him because he's, yeah, I, I think he he's a great leader in that regard and he's got good technical expertise when it comes to his backroom staff, um, you know, particularly Hayden Fox who will deal with some of the, the, the smaller details and Johnny can focus on being that inspirational figure at the helm and being that leader. Yeah. Uh, look, whichever way you look at it, uh, despite the naysayers and knockers, it, the season is finishing just as we were hoping it would finish mm. with, with, a, uh, with, a, with a spinnaker mm-hmm. uh, drawing us forward in leaps and bounds. There are some exciting uh, matches uh, and one, of course, in less than an hour uh, on, on 10. Um, what do we rate the 10 performance, the Paramount Plus? Do we give them a pass or do we uh, give them a big fail? First year in. I'm talking about the technology. In terms of the technology, I think it has been a failure because we still don't have a rewind button. <laughs> we still don't have a watch from live option if you I tune think, in late I think to a you game. Have an, yeah, I think you have a rewind button in the NBL coverage, uh, in the uh, NPL coverage, don't you? Uh, on desktop, you do. Um, on uh, mobile, it's, they're still struggling to implement it, but okay. it's coming. So okay. you it's can, coming. You can, they've already fixed it on the desktop version of the app, so <laughs> of the website. So you can actually open that on in a browser on your phone and get the same experience. So that works. That's a little workaround for uh, people who like watching NPL and right. so- want to get highlights back. But uh, and th- that also has certain features to watch goals back as they happen the events are tagged and then there's an automatic highlight that pops up up the bottom that you can watch back before the match replay is done which is not an option on paramount plus so you have to go trawling through social media to see if they've happened to post it or not um during you know on twitter during the match so i I think from a technological perspective and you think back to the streaming issues they had at the very start they had audio problems dropouts quality issues ball tracking issues where it was ghosting and blurring on the screen they've basically had every single problem you 
you can <laughs> throw at them. Throw at them from a technological perspective. And from the actual coverage, I think it's been good. Um, I've liked seeing a couple of commentators that I like come back yep. on board. Yep. Uh, it's been nice to And hear. I'm sure there'll be uh, further growth and a f- a further maturity mm-hmm. and there will be new faces. I'm sure there will be. Yeah, um, and, and Robbie Thompson, I think, has been a great addition to the lineup. He's, he's, he's actually a, a, a lovely guy when you listen and we've had an opportunity to speak to him a couple of times. He, he does love the game, sure. absolutely loves the game and tries very much not to overplay his hand uh, mm. And that, to me, is is always a plus. Uh, you let the action, you let the uh, the, the the story that's un, that's unraveling in front of you uh, carry the day. All you've got to do is fill in the little blanks and remind the crowd of of just some of the the key points. I mean, the great Richie Beno, <clears throat> pardon me, the great Richie Beno was um, a, a very much a, a different commentator in his younger days, and as he matured, you, you saw a very very fine balance to everything he would do and uh you know a couple of words and let the action uh, carry the day and sure some of the action has been some of the goals what's your goal of the season have we got one goal of the season is a good shout i i think craig noon's volley for macarthur was pretty good i i, I like that one um tommy Orr had a couple of ridiculous strikes in he the did. same month he did um spring to mind uh, but young, I think young. it has to be Ben Garuccio's scorpion kick. I don't think he can go past <laughs> that one. Well, Benny and the family would be uh, uh, regaling one another for the next 50 years, I reckon, about that um, because that was quite something. I think it was even better than Riley McGree's because yes. Riley McGree's was an instinctive action. It was a big lob, wasn't and it? Exactly, and he was sort of trying to control the ball and he couldn't, so he just flicked out his heel and what happened happened. And it was incredibly spectacular, but Garuccio's had forethought. And also we've heard from the Western United players that he's, actually, he's actually attempted it in training. <laughs> He didn't. Well, that, he he face planted. He screwed oh, it up. But oh, he tried. He oh. like he, he's actually gone through the the process of you know what, trying what, that. What so. more can you ask? Uh, and now before I let you go, there's no way we cannot comment uh, comment on what's happened in the last two days um, uh, in Europe. Um, mm-hmm. Three three four teams went at it. Um, I thought Villarreal were going to do something quite remarkable at two nil, and then of course they fell apart. I think Gerard Moreno limping off really did them some damage. He, think he probably should have been substituted but earlier. Again, but Liverpool have been quite relentless, mm. so congratulations to them and to Klopp and their coach. Um, I, I thought, I thought um, City had done enough uh, and they'd measured their, uh, their, their finish just as you wanted it. And then, of course, that spirit. You wear a Real re- you know, top for a reason because mm. you're, a, you're a very, very good player. Uh, there's also a, a remarkable culture in that place that says we are champions. And the other thing is uh, under Ancelotti, I, I think wherever he's gone, he's always let his players play, hasn't he? He hasn't given them too much to, to think about other than, you know, I'll organise you, but at, the main t- but at the same time, I'm not going to handcuff you. So organisation, yes, for the defence, but he's not going to lock you down and say you can't run that line. Or you... And look what's happened. Rodrigo, he brings him in. Not one, but two. And then, of course, did we mention Benzema again? So who, who wins it now? 
Well, I, I think I also have to, um, now you mentioned uh, Ancelotti, bring up my football tweet of the year, which is uh, somebody on the, the timeline who said the uh, the other day after the 4-3 um, against Manchester City in the first leg, said uh, Ancelotti will sit there with an eyebrow raised for 90 minutes and his <laughs> team will score three goals. What did he do? We don't know. But <laughs> it, hey, it apparently they works. got three goals. Exactly. And the eyebrow... And it, up, baby. Up. And, and again, that, that, that tweet had a week-long lifespan because it, it played out again today and was getting a lot of uh, you know re- retweets as, as it should because it was a very, very funny so observation. Who wins? Don't, don't avoid the answer. <sighs> who wins? I mean, Liverpool, Real Madrid. Mo Salah wants revenge. Of course he does. He said it in no uncertain terms. Yep. He, he's also Real said game. we want to play Real. Yes, he, that's exactly what he said. Yeah, he said yeah. he wants revenge for... I mean, they shattered his dreams. Not well, there's only, no Gareth Bale, so not, he's... He's, he's, he's here. He's got a big, big chance. But it's also the, the Ramos incident where he was injured. They felt it should have been a red card. Ramos got away with it. And then Mo Salah was injured for the World Cup straight afterwards. So that obviously is still a rage that's burning inside him. And for that reason, I think we're going to see a Mo Salah grand final Can I Can I throw, can I throw a red herring in there? Go on. Um, is Bale still an option to be picked? <laughs> Don't think so. I, uh, I think he's done. I think he's... Could you imagine... If suddenly you appears, it would be. I think. I think it would be a great uh, move. I think it would be a great Strip. move by Ancelotti just to put him on the bench, yeah, just yeah, to yeah, leave yeah. it and and let him warm up. And <laughs> I reckon at some point during the Champions League final, we have to see Gareth Bale summoned from the bench as if he's about to come on. He's never going to play because he just doesn't anymore. He's got his back is he's, he's, he's done spasms. Spasm. But just just for the mind games, I yeah. think they. I think Real should have him in the match day squad and uh, just tease Liverpool a little bit. Let him warm up behind the Liverpool goalkeeper. <laughs> Invoking the you know the spirit of Loris Carius. <laughs> I didn't realise just how much malevolence you have in your, in, in your makeup. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's either menace or no, malevolence. Um, tell me something. Um, uh, you're you're off to greener pastures because it's an exciting evening at uh, Preston Lions. Yes. What have to, you got planned? Off to the uh, Janice Steel Stadium Pavilion. We're going to be catching up with. Uh, Bianca Trimboli from the women's team. Oh, wow. Famous surname, I know. Correct. Uh, Eva Harrington as well from the women's team will be joining us. And I had an opportunity last night to do a little pre-recorded interview with Chris Theodoridis, who's the goalkeeper you'd know well from his Heidelberg days, George. And also Northcote, yeah, as you you mentioned. Yes, I won the title with uh, Goran Lozanowski in 2013. He's had quite a career. And uh, we even dig into how it was that for... A little run of games there. He ended up taking penalties as a goalkeeper <laughs> oh, in open it. in open play, not in a shootout situation. That's perfect. That just tells you he has what it takes here and up here. So, uh, Josh Parrish, good luck tonight. Thank you. And uh, looking forward to hearing more about that. Uh, join us next week, State of Our Football Nation on FNR. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.